Undercover podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King, joined as always for our reaction show by Mr. Jason Caldwell. And Jason, we're talking about an Auburn win for the first time since week four. Obviously, Cadillac Williams gets a massive win, his first win of his head coaching career. Um, Technically, uh, obviously, Auburn's interim head coach, a huge game there. On Saturday, like we talked about leading up to this one, you wouldn't know it from a zoomed out perspective, couple three and six teams, but that atmosphere was unreal. We talked about it in pregame, how it almost had an Iron Bowl type. It sound, it sound, probably sounds crazy for people who weren't there that it, it had an Iron Bowl type buzz, um, but Auburn really leaned into this thing getting behind Cadillac and the the rejuvenation of this program, Jason, over the over the course of 12, 12 days, really, since Brian Harson. As I'm firing, sort of looking at more like 13 days right now has been has been pretty remarkable. They beat Texas A&M 13 to 10 thanks to a pretty much a defensive gym. Uh, Texas A&M didn't score a touchdown until their very last drive of the game. It was a masterclass for them on defense. But I mean, this was this is going to go down for me, Jason, as one of the most memorable Auburn games of the past few years. And again, to anyone who wasn't there and hasn't been around this situation, it, that probably sounds pretty crazy to say, but. For this team, you could see it on their faces when they celebrated afterwards. Um, obviously, you could hear it in Cadillac Williams' voice. You could see the the celebration and how much happiness this this brought him and the fans there. Um, this was this is a huge win for a bunch of reasons, and it's crazy to say that for a team that's not going to go to a bowl game. But um, this team has really turned it around in the past couple of weeks in terms of the overall feeling in the program with Cadillac now. Yeah, you know, there's been some some bigger wins the last couple of years in terms of maybe what it meant at the time when you're talking about just on field, um, you know, you think about, you know, LSU and Ole Miss last year, a couple of, you know, a couple of wins that were, you know, important in their own way. In the end, they didn't wind up being very important because of the way the season turned out. Um, it, to me, it felt like that was probably as big a win as, as going back to the 2019 Iron Bowl, to be quite honest. Um, I think about program win. Um, when you think about the importance of it from a program standpoint, and, um, you know, just overall feeling, um, you know, there's a lot of emotion, a lot of excitement. Crowd was into it. Now the, the cold weather and wind um, sent some people home early because it was it was especially brutally cold on the east side of the stadium where that wind was blowing from the west. And so, um, so that sent some people home early. But the energy level, the excitement, crowd, the way this team has played, um, I, I just can't get over the way this defense has played. It, be quite honest, last two weeks, it looks like the defense that we thought we would see from the get-go, and we haven't seen much of the last two years. To be quite honest, um, saw the Alabama game last year, but you know, this is an Auburn defense that's going out there and, and and they're competing, and and it's different. You know, people wondered about how the offense would be different. Heck, this defense is different. In in two weeks, they're playing more players. And, and they're rotating guys up front. And it, it cannot be a coincidence that, that that's happened without Brian Harson as, as Auburn's head coach. It, it just can't be. The same thing happened last year. Uh, obviously, it, it's something that he, he wanted to keep his main guys on the field. And now you look and they're rotating guys up front. They're playing younger guys. They're playing more bodies everywhere. And it's paying off. Um, it seems fresher. Um, got more energy. Um, 
they're executing the defense and they're playing fast and physical. And so um, that's where it starts with me. But man, uh, really impressed by Will Friend and Ike Hilliard and, and kind of the especially the run schemes they they dialed up on the night when it was pretty tough to throw the football. Robbie Ashford did not have a good day, but heck. Texas A&M didn't throw it very well either uh, for the most part. Um, it was a tough night to throw the football, and so Auburn was able to to scheme some things up in the ground game and and uh, and and put some new wrinkles in. I, I thought it was very well done uh, by this by this kind of makeshift offensive staff for Auburn. And, you know, what it means moving forward, um, you know, we'll find out. Um, obviously, at the time and in that environment with recruits on campus and all those things, it, it felt like as a pro Auburn program that that was one that was going to be pretty meaningful. And, and, you know, maybe we'll find out in the next couple of years, just how meaningful it was. Yeah. I think you're, you're precisely right. You talk about that defense really setting the tone in this game. You look at the second half for Texas A&M. Um, they go five straight drives to start the second half. They go three and out. They don't pick up a first down in the second half, Jason, until 6-10 left in the ball game. They didn't get into the red zone the entire game until the very end, obviously, when they scored that touchdown to, to make it 13-10. Obviously, Auburn was able to recover the onside kick there. Uh, pretty slow-moving first half, only four drives for each team. Auburn scored, of course, the first points of the game. Big run by Tank Bigsby down the sideline. And then Robbie Ashford hits Javarius Johnson for a touchdown. I didn't realize until look back again, Jason, that was the only the VARS touchdown was the only reception by an Auburn receiver um, in this game. It was just it was all rushing attack. Um, I agree with you that this this running game um, was was impressive. I, used, I liked some of the reverse action that they ran, getting their best playmakers in space with a lead blocker. Both Jarquez Hunter and Tank Bigsby had 121 yards. They both had exactly 121 yards on the ground. I thought the best thing, I, I don't know how this looked from field level, um, really liked the running style of Jarquez Hunter in this game because he is not as downhill powerful as Tank Bigsby, who was maybe able to cut through some of it between the tackles. He realized pretty quickly when it was bottled up there in the center, um, he was able to bounce it outside. He did that three, four, five times maybe for for double-digit gains. You know, and Cadillac Williams talked after the game, Jason, about just how much he's leaned on this position group, not only not only on the field in a, in a vanilla game plan that's going to yield a lot of rushing attempts, um, but also off the field talking about, you know, he confided in these guys that um, he needed some help. He was, he was a little bit scared when he took over the interim role. Um, Tank Bigsby, I, I just thought after the game, it, look, that's the first time I believe we've talked to Tank after a game um, this season, and so uh, it was just, you know, as, as it seems like Tank's journey ends at Auburn, he was probably going to be an NFL, probably, obviously we're just assuming he's going to be an NFL running back. You look at the past few years for them, and, and obviously he and Cadillac have been have been really intertwined, and, and boy, Cadillac's leaned on leaned on them these past couple weeks, um, not only on the field in terms of their rushing performance, but but like I just talked about, um, needing, them to, needing them to help him out a little bit too, because those are guys, those are the guys he's closest to. He recruited them. He's known them since they're 16, 17 years old. That's the that's the group he felt like he could confide in and uh, and get honestly get a little bit of advice from. Yeah, and, and you know it starts with the running game. Uh, obviously, Nathan, we I think both of us think back to to that afternoon, that Monday afternoon two weeks ago, when these guys are walking out of that meeting room, going, "Hey, we're going to run a football," and they're, <laughs> then they're smiling as they're saying it, knowing that it that it was going to be an emphasis. 
we've heard it was going to be an emphasis, but it hasn't been an emphasis until the last two weeks. And you look at the response from Auburn, and you have 200 around averaging about 250 yards rushing in two SEC games the last two times out. You got in a combination of Tank and, and Jarquez Hunter, and you're right, Jarquez is, and he's, I don't know, when I watch him, I look at a guy that going, and if that guy has 25 carries in a football game, he's a guy that could average 200 yards rushing. I mean, I, I, he he can rip off eight, nine-yard runs in, in, in an instant, and he's tough to tackle. I mean, that first guy, he normally runs through that guy or past that guy. And so, uh, you know, interesting dynamic here these last couple of weeks. Um, when you start talking about this Auburn team, and um, you know, what they're able to do, how they can finish, uh, the way the defense is playing, running the football, um, got to find a way to, to just to create some plays in the passing game. Um, you know, it was it was a it was a tough night to throw the football last night, but there were a couple of it that were dialed up and ready to go, and 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 Robbie Ashford just didn't execute. And you know, that's and the 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 wheel route to Jarquez Hunter is about as wide open as somebody's going to be, and uh, that's one of those plays as a as a. You know, Robbie Ashford's a third-year guy, but he's a young quarterback. As a when you when you're mature a little bit, you realize, you know what? I I have to side on the air. I'm going to err on the side of caution and and underthrow this one. If anything else, you can't. You got to let him catch it because it's it's going to be a fifty-yard gain no matter what. Um, so I, I thought there were some plays that were there to be had, but yeah, running backs are running extremely hard. Offensive line, you get Jaleel Irvin in there at center again for. Brandon Council and rotating those guards like they've been doing. Hey, they just kind of could keep keep rolling along, running the football, and it's a really good sign. And uh, not a surprise though, but, uh, but we kind of like taking over Will Friend, moving play caller. And now you got three offensive line coaches on Auburn's offensive staff, and a run, former running back is is now the interim head coach. You, you got to know that the running game is going to get a lot of attention. And over on the other side, we've seen that those have been the two biggest developments for this team since Cadillac took over. You talked about that defense improving um, over the past couple of weeks since not really improving, but just, you know, tapping in on on what we knew they could be successful. in. And I thought about it today, Jason, you know, you look at this pass rush, even without a guy like Aculiota, this, this is a strong defensive line. There's a couple NFL guys up there. Derek Hall and Colby wouldn't have really been able to flex that these past couple of weeks. But but the way Georgia runs the ball um, the way Ole Miss runs their offense um, and and even the way that Arkansas runs their offense is really those two are kind of similar. And then Georgia makes things difficult as well. You really didn't get a, much of a chance to see this pass rush in action um, just because they were sort of neutralized in those games. These past couple games, Mississippi State obviously likes to throw it around the yard. And then Connor Wigman had to throw it all over the yard because they didn't have Devin A. Chain. And so this pass rush got an opportunity these past couple games. They 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 stepped up to the plate once again. Um, great games for Colby Wooden and Derek Hall. That's really just that front line is is keeping this defense elite right now. You had the huge strip. I mean, definitely the play of the game um, because the strip sack allows you to add that field goal, which put things in Texas A&M scored a touchdown that puts things out of reach. There, um, you, you're seeing. I thought about it today. You know, Jason, I looked on PFF. Uh, Auburn is the only team with two players in the top 10 of the SEC in quarterback pressures. And that's Derek Hall and that's Colby Wooden. You got a guy who can play inside and outside. And then you got a guy who's a little bit more of a, of a pure pass rusher. Again, even though this season has not gone to plan and they're not going to be able to have, you know, big wins to close out the year or, you know, a good record or anything like that. 
I got to think about right now, Colby Wooden and Derek Hall are, are certainly not regretting their decisions to come back to Auburn for one more year because they, they're having first team, second team, all SEC type years right now. And, and that, that only furthered in the game on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I just looked and those guys come on for 13 sacks. Colby Wooden has six sacks from basically an interior line position. Now he, he did get one couple of those from the edge where he's kind of coming off. But, you know, the strip sack and fumble – Calls fumble against Texas A&M. That guy looked like a pass rusher, um, but he's 285 pounds. That that'd be the thing that would really excite me if I was an NFL scout about Colby Wooden. Other than the fact that he's a great kid and model teammate, I mean, like he's that's what you want in a guy. Marcus Harris did some good things, getting some pressure yesterday, getting upfield, and we saw Dylan Brooks in there a little bit more. And so, um, you know, there were you know, there's some opportunities and and. Um, I thought they're taking advantage of it. Tackling is so much better. I mean, the, 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 it's this night is night and day compared to what we saw, you know, even just a couple of weeks ago for this Auburn defense. Um, how quickly, you know, and, and it, you're right. They play different teams. You know, Texas A&M is a is a team that can you know, line up with the quarterback run and, and do some of those things. But um, you know, I thought. You know, A and M. I mean, uh, excuse me, Arkansas can Texas A and M uh, without Devin A. Chain was 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 severely limited. I thought the running backs did a pretty good job. You know, early on especially, and once Auburn cut the cut back down, um, that that was pretty much the end of that. And so, um, hard to be, I think, more impressed by, especially defensively, what we saw uh, from this Auburn team against the Aggies. Here's the stat. I don't know if you saw it today from from our buddy. Friend of the show, Justin Ferguson. Auburn had 41 combined missed tackles against Ole Miss and Arkansas over the past two games against Mississippi State and Texas A&M. That's down to 12. Um, so that's it's 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 like you mentioned at, at the beginning of the show. Pretty difficult to ignore the the ways that this team is looking better on defense and tackling linebacker play. Another good game for Cam Riley. I feel like he made a couple good plays in space. He was struggling earlier in the season. He's had a couple good consecutive games now. He had a, a sack from Owen Papo. Um, so really that front seven overall is looking like what we thought they could um, at the beginning of the season, really just kind of peaking at the right time. Um, Jason, it seems like, you know, sort of a foregone conclusion here that, that this the way the season will end, get a win against Western Kentucky, probably won't be easy. They opened as only a, a touchdown favorite um, today against, against, of course, what's one of the better teams in the group of five that'll that'll certainly put up some points on them. Then you go to Tuscaloosa. That's that's obviously going to be a really tough ask. But you know the the response from we heard we thought all week that that they would Auburn fans would step up to the plate in this game, um, and they completely crashed expectations. Um, and you heard Cadillac talk about it after the game. This is you know who knows what happens with this staff here. Who who knows what happens with the next head coach? I think it's pretty clear at the moment that Cadillac is making a great addition to at least be a retention on the next staff. I think you'd be, uh, I think you'd be pretty well served as the next ho- next head coach to realize what's going on here. Look at how they respond to him and, and keep him on the staff. But really, I mean, just, just a, just a storybook night for him. It really was surreal um, for, for him to have this opportunity after, you know, during the game and you saw him running around the field <laughs> after the game with the, with the students and, and celebrating with his family. This is something that, uh, you know, He's an Auburn icon, and, and, and he got an opportunity, you know, unlike any other in this game. And uh, that's one of the reasons this game's going to be remembered by people for a while. It is, and you're you're right. Um, be well served to keep Cadillac around uh, after what he's done. And but you know, we've seen it happen before. 
seen it happen when a, a you know a new coach is hired. Uh, there's a guy that's that's more popular than him on the staff. Sometimes that that doesn't sit well for guys, and so I, I you know, uh, it, it's unfortunate that happens. But I mean, yeah, you got to think that you know, seriously think about you know you know how impactful Carnell can be from a recruiting standpoint, player development standpoint, uh, culture stand all all the things that coaches you know when when they have these talking points. You know, Cadillac kind of delivers all those things, and and so I think, um, and that's why the instills in players. You, it's obvious you can see it in two weeks. In two weeks, the the attitude of this football team has changed. They didn't have a bad attitude, but you can see a belief that is so much clearer than it was. Um, you know, and and I think it's it's traveled over to the fan base. Heck, I, I don't know how many people would have ever dreamed about taking Auburn over to beat Mississippi State, even if it was, you know, no point spread at all or straight up. Um, just that, people went, okay, I, I think he's going to have an impact. And, heck, he did. They almost won the game. A&M, I mean, it's a, it's a top five team, top five recruiting class. That's now lost seven games, which is incredible to think about. Um, and so, I, you know, when I look at this Auburn team and, and look at the job they've done, um, you know, can they finish it off at home again and we get to win number five and then heck see what happens in Tuscaloosa. That's uh, that makes for another, another fun couple of weeks. It certainly will be. Yeah. It's been like we talked about, it's been a wild 13 days since Cadillac took over. See what happens against an interesting Western Kentucky. That's a, that's a plucky might not even be the right word. It's the number four passing offense in the country. They've, they've also got a top 30 yards per play defense. Granted they play people like rice and, and North Texas, but um, should, be an, should be an interesting challenge. Auburn's going to have to step it up a little bit on offense. So Auburn beats Texas A&M. They avoid would have been their first six-game losing streak since 1950. Um, so probably pretty good for Auburn to uh, probably pretty good for Auburn to avoid that one. Um, they get their first win since week four, and obviously a great day for Cadillac Williams and, uh, and for the fan base. An unreal environment there in Jordan State. I, I would I would encourage everybody to go over to our YouTube channel and check out the video Jason took. Um, after the game, basically just ran on the field and got in the middle of whatever he could get in the middle of. Um, it was a pretty, pretty wild celebration there. Again, you would have no idea if you were just a common passerby and didn't know anything about these teams, didn't know the implications. You would have no idea that this game wasn't for, a, you know, for an SEC championship or something like that. So incredible night in Auburn. They beat Texas A&M 13 to 10. Appreciate everybody tuning in today. We'll record here early in the week, start to preview Western Kentucky. If you guys enjoyed this show, go leave us a five-star review. It's the number one thing that helps us out. The bumper music, as always, is by Beats by Mordecai. You guys can follow him on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. Until the next episode, we will talk to you guys soon. Everybody have a great start to your week.